listening to the Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John Tate, what's up, man? Chip Munn, how are you on this fine, fine sunny day? It is good to be alive, brother. It is nice and sunny, as you said. And I don't know what the weather is, but it's better than it's been in a long time. So it's a good day to be alive in Florence, South Carolina. I would agree with that. And we've had a higher amount of rain in this area of North Carolina than usual. And so I feel like we have Noah's flood has ended and uh, the rainbow's out and things are drying back up and returning to normal. It's nice to start to feel like spring is coming. And, you know, so I, and in a lot of ways, right, because we've dealt with all kinds of winters of various varieties, whether that is the actual temperature or all of the stuff that we've been dealing with now for a year with the pandemic. It's starting to feel like a lot of those things are kind of thawing out a little bit. I agree. I agree. My wife and I, it is our 16 year wedding anniversary today. So we are going to throw caution to the wind and go out to dinner tonight. You are so crazy, man. Yeah. How about that? Well, John, I'm not going to let you tell the story of how you met your wife because you're not. literally the only guy minutes. I know who married the professional cheerleader. And so not sure how that happened. But actually, I am sure how that happened, but I won't make you tell the story. But happy anniversary, man. Good for you. Thanks, sir. So, John, today we're going to kind of talk about our favorite subject for the last couple of weeks, which is Social Security. And one of the questions that I get is really about what happens when I decide to collect. And there are a lot of kind of questions that surround that or go into that, but One of the things that we've talked about recently is deciding when to apply. Now, when we did that, it was more of a what year at what age. But let's say that I've decided to apply. So I've picked and I know that I'm ready. I've got a target date in mind. When do I actually file the paperwork? How does that work? There's a couple different ways to do it. And, you know, assuming you've listened to the two previous shows that we did, and you've gone through all the questions about when is the best time to apply, when should I collect, and you've talked to your financial advisor, and you've gotten to this point, the best place to go next is ssa.gov, which is the Social Security website. And certainly, if you Google Social Security and when to collect and what do I do, you know, there are going to be 100 different websites that pop up, and you really don't know what you're getting how the information has changed and whether or not any of it's accurate. So I usually tell people to go straight to the horse's mouth. And the SSA, as far as a government site goes, is very easy to use. It's very straightforward. And you can usually find all the answers to your questions. But one of the answers you can find on that site is that the Social Security Administration, which is what SSA stands for, advises you to apply for Social Security benefits no more than four months before the date that you want to start. So you've got four months leeway in there to kind of get your ducks in a row. You're ready. I would say, and I think, you know, you'll probably agree with me, but you know, you've probably taken about a couple months 
to plan and figure out when you want to start taking it. So maybe you start the whole process six months before you want to start doing something about it and then go to the social security office, go to their website, figure out whether the local branch is open and then start going through the steps of the application process about four months before you want to start receiving money in your bank account. Yeah, I would agree. I think a six month window in terms of kind of doing the plan and making the decisions and then you know, being able to apply it gives you plenty of time. You know, John, you and I both run businesses. I wish that I could operate on the same kind of timetable that the government does. <laughs> I had a conversation yesterday with the IRS office, not something you want to do very often. But this particular time, I was calling to find out where my refund from last year is. And so, of course, it is now time to file for this year. And we finally got through some identity theft kind of things, confirming who I was. And once I had confirmed who I was, she said, that's great. We will now send this over for processing. And it'll probably be a paper check because this is last year's refund. But you should probably have something in about nine weeks. And so it was kind of one of those things where it's like, I wish that I, actually, I don't wish that I, because it's terrible customer service, but it is amazing that they want four months to get you ready for something that they've known might come for 60 plus years. So John, you mentioned the SSA.gov. What have you seen in terms of in person? Is it different now with all of the kind of medical stuff that we've been through have they made some changes with that? They have, and it's unclear when they are going to be opening up the offices. A lot of the Social Security employees are simply working remotely right now, and a lot of the offices just aren't open. But they will, if you go to the website, they do have an area where you can check and see what the adjusted office hours, if there are any, are for your local office or offices. And most of the time, the best thing to do is to call up by phone and try and set up an appointment with a, on a given date at a scheduled time and set up that window for yourself. If you'd like to do it in person, you can do that. I have also found that over the phone is equally as helpful. And it's always a good idea before you go in to have your list of questions ready to ask before you get there so that you know what you want to accomplish in that meeting, whether it's inquiring about spousal benefits, whether it's inquiring about a divorced spouse that you want to see if you can collect on their benefit, depending on how long you were married or, or what that arrangement was. Have all of these questions ready to go beforehand, know what you want to accomplish, and then have the meeting. All my clients that have done it that way have had the best outcome and, and have been the happiest with the interaction with Social Security. Is that same with what you expect or have seen chip. Yeah, and I think that you make a good point, which is, I mean, that's a good way to use a financial advisor is to make sure that you have all the questions that you want to ask. Because in a lot of these situations, and it's very similar, for example, with estate planning, and you're going to go to a meeting with an attorney, you get the best answers when you ask the right questions. And so it's one of those things where I see like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And sitting down with your advisor and having the right list of questions to make sure that you're ready to take them down the path to where you already know you need to be 
And really, their function is just to help you make sure you complete the paperwork right and get everything in the system the way that you want it. So knowing what you want and having the right questions, I think, is the key to any situation like that. John, one of the questions that I get a lot is when it comes to Social Security, do I owe taxes on that? Yes. And one other point that I'll make on the the previous topic that we were just talking about is that it is not the Social Security employee's job to figure out what the best benefit is for you. And like you said, you need to lead them down the path. You need to take them down the avenue that you want them to go. But if you think you're going to walk in and have them present to you the best options for you, you're going to be disappointed because that's not their job function. So I think you make a good point there. And that's always something to remember. And anytime we're going to talk about taxes on to your next question, you know, we hold the employees at the Internal Revenue Service at the highest regard, and we have nothing but respect for, for those folks. But whenever we talk about taxes on Social Security, it's our favorite answer. It depends. And generally speaking, the answer is yes. And how much you owe, though, can be different depending on how much you make. And it's also a little bit confusing because Social Security benefits have not always been taxable. And we'll talk about that potentially in an episode down the line here. But right now, it would look like in 2020, if you're filing your taxes, you have to look at what your combined income is. And there's some limits around that. But combined income is defined as your adjusted gross income or AGI. You have to add back some non-taxable interest. And then you take one half of your Social Security benefit and add it to that number. And once you have your combined income number, then you can go and look at the IRS tables. And it would appear that if that combined income number is somewhere between thirty-two dollars and $44,000, you only owe 50% of your benefit is taxable. If that combined income number is more than 44000 then 85% of your Social Security benefit is taxable. So you can kind of go through and figure out what that is. But at the time that you're going to the office, one of the forms that they will give you is a tax withholding form. And it's important to go in knowing what you want to do there. And Chip, what would you suggest to somebody one of your clients going in to try and figure out how much tax they should have withheld from their social security? Well, anytime you're talking about withholding, you're estimating. And so I think that working with your tax professional to try to figure out the best way to hit the right spot is going to be key. Because one of the things, John, that I see a lot is You just really, when it comes to taxes and withholding, you don't want to be too far in one direction or another. You don't want to overpay or underpay too much because then you're you're not dealing with Social Security Administration anymore. You're dealing with the IRS. And I can tell you, having spoken to those great folks yesterday, if there are any IRS agents, I just want you to know I love y'all. So no need to, to call me. You can call John if you want to. But you don't want to give them your money too long. Right. So you want to be mindful of the amount that you're withholding. And there are, you know, lots of choices, you know, 7, 10, 12, 22%. You can really, but it, that's going to be an estimate. And one of the things, John, that I would point out is that's part of what makes this difficult for people. I get a lot of questions about folks wanting to plan their income around the taxability of Social Security. So folks who have retired maybe from their day job 
you know, their original career are wanting to be mindful of the taxes they're going to pay because it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And so being mindful of, we've talked about taxes and business structure and how you structure those things and how you work within kind of the overall financial plan. It makes a lot of sense to put thought into this because, again, making too much money or maybe starting Social Security too early can cost you in a couple of different ways. Let's say, John, though, that I've started Social Security and now I'm not sure I want to take it anymore. Can I stop Social Security once I've already started? You know, it's something that it depends on when that action of stopping and starting occurs. But if you have not achieved full retirement age and you're still in the first year of collection, it's a formal application process. You have to apply to the Social Security Administration for a withdrawal of benefits. And then you have to pay back the benefits that you've received thus far. And this is only available in the first 12 months. So in that first year, if you start it early before your full retirement age and you decide, oh, this is a mistake, be ready to pay that back. And if you have a spouse that also starts collecting spousal benefits at that time, or you have a child that is eligible for benefits, they also have to pay that back. So be ready for that. One of the main reasons why people would decide to start their benefit and then stop can sometimes do with income changes. Maybe they found part-time work. They don't need their benefit anymore. But also when they look at the amount that Social Security grows each year between the age of 62 and age 70 when it stops growing is 8%. You know, it's going to grow at 8% every single year between those times. And so sometimes it makes more sense for people to stop the benefit and let it continue to grow at 8% per year. But to go back to the other side of it, if you've already achieved full retirement age, it's not as big of a deal. You can stop your benefit by phone, in person, or in writing. If you stop your benefit, it will also, again, stop the spousal or child benefits. And they have changed the law now, you know, a couple of years ago, where you used to be able to collect spousal benefits if you suspend your own benefit. But you can no longer do that either. So at any rate, it depends on where you are in the process as to how difficult or I guess formal of a process it is to stop your social security benefit once you've started it. Have you ever had a client that has chosen to do that, Chip? Has it made sense for anybody? No, I, I rarely see anybody who starts getting income turn it off. That, that's just not how, I, and I think a lot of these things that we talk about are, you know, we look at things from an academic standpoint and how we would put them in a spreadsheet. And I think that you and I spend our time, part of our job is figuring out the best way to do something. Social security in particular is one area where I feel like most people, at least at first, before having a more in-depth conversation, they have an emotional attachment to a particular path. And I think that for most people, once they make that decision, particularly if you've gone through the trouble of creating a plan for it, most people don't tend to, to alter that. I see that as being you know, unusual. And it's not something, as we've discussed before, it's not something to be taken lightly. The more moving pieces and the more times you move the pieces, the more opportunity there is for a mistake. And Chip, just out of curiosity, how much combined financial planning experience do you think you and I have together? I'd say 40 years, 45 years. It's a long time. So between the two of us, we've never in all that experience, neither you nor I has ever had a client start their benefit and then stop it. 
And I think that goes to, again, what you just said, but also because as part of the planning process, if you're working with us and you get to the point where you're ready to turn on your benefit, it's not a decision that you're just making that day or that week. It's something that you and I and the client has talked about many, many times leading up to that point. So usually by the time our clients get there, it's a foregone conclusion because we've planned for that to happen and nobody needs to go back on that. So, And I think that also, to kind of wrap things up, comes back around to the planning for it gives you the right questions to ask. You can have that conversation with your advisor, whether it's us or somebody else. And then you are armed with the information to make a decision. And when you do, you can go to the office and work with somebody there to make sure it's executed well. Because you talked, John, earlier about it's not their job to help you figure out the best way for you. It is their job to execute it. So coming in to the Social Security Administration with a plan really is the best way, I think, to maximize the amount that you're going to get and the amount that you're going to keep. John, it's another great week. I enjoy spending time with you talking Social Security. Happy anniversary, man. Thank you. We'll try to make it a good one. And I hope you have a great day and a a great weekend. You too. See you next week. Here we have it. Another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at signaturewealth.com scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real-life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security, it's all in there. Go to theretirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at signaturewealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to SignatureWealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.